Good to be in the house of the Lord. Good to be here. God's good, isn't he? I come from a camp meeting just a couple weeks ago out in Tennessee, Brother Carl Sutherland. And uh, your pastors, I heard somebody say, oh, you've been there? Yeah, well, if, if you've not been there, you ought to go. Uh, I've got a hanky somewhere right here. And uh, this is my dad's. I like carrying my dad's hanky. Amen. Um, I'm, I'm still pretty pumped up, I'll be honest with you. Uh, you guys want to do one of them things like Brother Haggett does, makes you do? Except I want y'all to hold me up. None of them wanted to hold me up. I've been keeping up with your pastor, and uh, I'll tell you, uh, there, there is not much on uh, Facebook or any of that stuff that I care for, but one thing that it has given me, I have a brother that's a pastor. Y'all have met Gary. Y'all know my brother Gary? Well, I'm not him. So just forget you're thinking you're going to get something like that. You're not going to get that today. You're going to get me. And uh, I, uh, no matter where I go, I just preach what the Lord lays on my heart and what he gives me. And uh, he's been giving me a lot of opportunities to preach. But this is one pulpit I am very honored to fill uh, today. 2 Corinthians. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians today. Chapter 4, verse 3. We're going to read one verse. And then pray, and then you can be seated. That's, that's the, the main start of where we're going to look at today. I'm preaching on hiding the gospel. If the gospel be hid from those who are around you, then who's hiding it? Hiding the gospel. Those that are it's hid from, many times, are those who are lost and still being deceived by Satan. They're still in the dark. They haven't come to the light yet. The gospel can be hid in many ways. But it's our responsibility today as Christians to shine that light so that others can see Jesus in us. Not just when we're at church. You know, it, it doesn't matter when you come here. People are already think, well, they're going to church. They must be, at least be a good person. It doesn't matter. And the crowd decide there may be somebody here lost. I don't know you. I don't, I don't know any of you. But I can tell you this much, no matter where we go, there's, a, there's, a, uh, there's people we're going to see, there's people we're going to talk to. I might have shook your hand already today, but you don't know Jesus as your Savior. The gospel is hid from you. It's been preached, it's been taught, you've heard it, but you're still hiding in the darkness of Satan's world, the evil world, the darkness of this world. And if you're a Christian today, maybe your light's not shining as bright as it ought to shine. So we're going to look at a few things here from the Apostle Paul and uh, uh, 2 Corinthians. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians the whole way, well, not all the time, but most of the time. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. If you're able to, please stand for the reading of God's word. <sighs> Leave that up here for him when he gets back, would you, Hunter? Leave that. Just put some ice in it, don't tell him. I, uh, standing, standing for reading God's word, you know that's biblical? Some people think it's just what a preacher wants you to do, but it's really biblical. They used to stand for hours and listen to them read God's word. And uh, our pastor does it, and I know Brother Haggett does it. I I've been taught that, I guess. I don't know. But I think it's just something that we can do to honor God's word is to stand while it's being read. So look, we're just going to read one verse. I won't keep you. 
And I won't preach for 10 minutes after I read one verse and then tell you to sit down. I love your pastor. I really do. I love him. I love him. All righty. Chapter 4, verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. If it's hid, it's hid to them that are lost. Grasp that just for a second. I don't want to take it out of context, and I don't want to use it in any other way other than what it says. The gospel sometimes can be hidden by Christians. You might leave this building and not shine the light as you go out. Not for your own glory, but for God's. Right? Let's pray. Father, I do ask you to help me this morning. Father, just, uh, Father, calm the nerves and just, Father, help me to, to preach what you have on my heart and what you've laid on my heart. And I pray, Father, for open minds, open hearts. I do pray for Brother Haggett and Miss Janine, all those that are there in Piedmont, Lord, that you'd watch over them today. Father, give them safe travels when they head back home. Give them a good day in the Lord there. Uh, I pray for all those who have traveled home yesterday from the funeral. I pray, Father, that they're all got home safe. And, Lord, I just ask you this morning to be with these folks here, that they'll open their minds and their hearts to your word. In Jesus' precious name, amen. You can be seated. We're going to go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and uh, read, a, read a few verses there. But the gospel being hid, I, I'm not... I used to look at Brother Haggett's outlines, and I'd say, well, is that all you got? He said, that's the reason they called it preaching. The rest of it's preaching. And uh, uh, he, he taught me a lot when I was, when I was under him there in, in New Franklin, Bible Baptist, and uh, I've always cherished those memories. But uh, uh, I'm, I, I don't know anything about putting an outline together. I graduated, but I went to school at New Franklin, so... They were just, at, in 1977, they were still shoving us out the door, just trying to get rid of us and on to make somebody else's problem. But I guess English was not necessarily one of my brighter subjects, I guess. Uh, I like to rhyme things. That's the reason I like to write songs and uh, poetry and different things. But when it comes to an outline, you're going to get today what you're going to get. In chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Do we begin again to commend ourselves? I'll tell you, I've been around a lot of people that likes to brag on their self. If you read the scriptures, there's some who plant, some who water, but who gives the increase? God. God gives the increase. There's not a man anywhere in this country that can save you. Nowhere. There's not a man alive that can save you. He gave his life for you. He rose from the grave. And now he sits at the right hand of his father waiting on him to come back and get his bride. I know I'm not too pretty, but someday I'm going to be raptured out of here with the bride if he comes before I go. Uh, there's the undertaker and the upper taker. I'd just soon take this trip out with the upper taker. If you're here this morning you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior and he comes back, the Bible says you'll believe a lie and you'll be condemned to hell for an eternity. There's two eternities. There's heaven and hell. There's only two places to go and they're both eternal. Either eternal damnation or eternal glory. Eternal damnation is a spot where you go that you'll never be ever able to be in the presence of an almighty God. Ever. It would be a place of torment. A place of outer darkness, the Bible says. Where you'll, for an eternity, just suffer and suffer and suffer and suffer. 
There's no reason for us to brag about anything that God does through us, but to give him the glory. If you've been to Brother Carl's, I've never seen a man that gives God the glory any more than he does. I mean, from the first time he opens his mouth, he, he'll walk out on the platform and he'll, he'll look at you. He's holding that microphone in his hand and a hanky. He'll say, isn't God good? God's good, isn't he? And he'll say it to you answering. God's good. God's good. And, uh, but he, he, he's always bragging on the Lord. Brother Haggett always used to brag on the Lord. Pastor Rusty brags on the Lord. I love to be around preachers that brag on God and not their self. They brag on God. And that's what they're saying here. Uh, again, to commend ourselves, or need we, as some others, epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you. Commendation letters. He's saying, I don't need you to like me. I don't need you to say what good a job I'm doing. What he's saying is, I know what kind of job God did, because it's still evident in your life. You know, a pastor, and I'm going to share this, Brother Haggett's not here, but Hunter is. I'm, I'm going to share this, but uh, Brother Haggett said one time to us as a church, he said, now, if you leave this building and you don't act like you're a Christian, don't tell them where you go to church. <laughs> and if my wife was honest, she would tell you right now, that offended her the first time he said it. She thought, well, why would he say that? I said, think about it. Same thing Paul's saying here. We don't want a pat on the back. We don't want something from this world. You're the representation. You are the representation of your pastor. When you leave here, you're the representation of Calvary Baptist Church here in Marshall, Missouri. When you leave this place, you represent the house of God. Amen. So when you leave here, act like you're saved. The Lord gave me a message several years ago, and I, 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 this is a new one, so first time for me. haven't preached it yet. haven't got there yet, I guess. But uh, I, I can tell you this, that if you're saved, you need to live like it. I've been to a couple of funerals this past uh, uh, year, and a, year and a half or so, and I can't tell you how far they were spread apart. But I can tell you this much, it's sad to walk upon and be in the presence of a loved one and just not know. They accepted Christ maybe when they were younger or in life, but they didn't live it. I'm not a judge. We only have one, that's Jesus. But I can tell you this, the Bible says when you're saved, you become a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. All things means everywhere you're at, not just here. It means everywhere your footsteps and your mouth opens, whether it's in the grocery line or the line at Walmart with three checkouts and there's 16 people deep. <laughs> Got to love it. Gives you a great opportunity to pass out a track. Ye are, ye are our epistles, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. Paul's telling me, he said, look, we don't need some kind of commendation. You're our commendation. You're proof of what God did here. Not us, not of anything we did, but you are. You're that proof. For as much as ye are manif manifestly declared to the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart, as such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves. I wish people would get, 
thinking that they're sufficient upon their self. I couldn't do anything without God. I, I can't get up in the mornings without him. Not that I'm getting old. I said that already, and I've already been scolded. I'll be 62 this year. I'm a few months younger than Miss Janine. I know she's better preserved than I am, but I have a harder life than she did. I used to, used to tease her all the time, Bible Baptist. I said, boy, you're getting old. You're getting old. She said, you'll be there. I said, well, you never know. Rapture may happen, and when we get out of here, you'll still be older than me. You never know about those things. Sufficient. We're not sufficient in anything that we can do ourselves. Whether it's singing, playing an instrument. By the way, I enjoyed that. We don't have a piano player at our church. Uh, if there's a young couple here looking for a radio ministry and she plays the piano or he does, y'all come by and see us. Let me see. I, that may not be right. I'm not sure. <laughs> He'll scold me if it didn't. Uh, but it's good to hear music like that. And uh, it's good to hear talent being used for God instead of lost in the world. We're not here to be slapped on the back. We're not here to be look and see what you did. We're not here to say or look around and think, oh, my gracious, I'm just doing all of this when we're not doing nothing. If we're getting anything accomplished, it's for Jesus Christ. Amen. If there's anything that's being accomplished, it's because he's the work that's in it. I remember several stories in the scriptures about uh, people would just say, well, wait, because if it's of God, there ain't nothing you can do about it. But it's of God, there's nothing you can change. But if it's of man, it won't last. Many churches were built upon man, men, thinking they could go off and do something better than a man of God that's going to stand up here and preach the gospel, which is what they're called to do. You know, by the way, every minister that stands behind a pulpit it will account for every time he preached God's word. You won't. He will. Think about that a while when the pastor's stepping on your toes. I used to tell, tell uh, in fact, I told Brother Stan that one time. I said, you got to step on my toes tonight. He said, I was aiming a little higher <laughs> for here. Wants to get in here. Wants to, wants to reach inside of you and, and uh, uh, get you to understand the truth. Get you to understand what God wants you to do in your life. Uh, you boys young preachers, you surrendered to preach yet? Not yet. I was already asked Hunter, and he said, oh, no, that's not me. <laughs> well, our young man graduated this past Wednesday. Sorry, Gibson goes down to Piedmont. And, uh, of course, he knows your pastor. And we went down there and visited here a while back. Surrender. Uh, he surrendered to preach. And uh, I've been praying for him every day that God will use him in a mighty way. Because there's so many, there's so few young people you hear about surrendering to preach. There was a young boy surrendered to preach at Brother Carl's a few weeks ago. It's good to see young men getting in, no pressure, uh, getting in and, and saying, I want to be a minister. I don't know why anybody would want to be a pastor. But anyway, an evangelist, a, a preacher of God's word, just give yourself that God can use you and uh, get out and tell others about Jesus Christ. Amen. There's so much in this world that can be wasted. And your time's one of them. You can spend your whole life working on a career. I did it. Working in a career and working in a job that has no end to it. Oh, it had benefits. It had stuff in it that uh, I enjoyed. But when I surrendered to go to 
the radio station in 2013. I'll tell you about that in a little bit. I never mixed business with pleasure. <laughs> I left uh, an opera. I, I left a job before I really wanted to. And when they, when they talked to me about coming there, I was a little skeptic. I said, well, let me pray about it. In the back of my mind, I was thinking, not just yet. I got just a, another two years, and I'll be completely vested, and I won't have to, I'll have my retirement set, I'll have all that stuff, then maybe I'll, I'll think about it. Yeah, God had different plans, had different plans. That was in the, the fall share of 2012, and in the fall share of 2013, I was running the show. Well, God was, because I was still a nervous wreck. I didn't know anything about a computer and all that stuff. I, I'll, I'll tell you something about that later. You should have shot that rabbit hunter when I chased it. That's, that's your job, shoot them rabbits. The apostle makes an apology for seeming to, to commend himself in these verses, but he really wasn't. He was giving all the glory to God. He says he neither needed nor desired a verbal recognition of what God had done with him and used him for he didn't need that. We don't store up treasures here. We store up treasures in heaven. Now, you can spend your life making money, building bigger houses and bigger barns, but we all know what happened to the fellow in the Bible when he built a bigger barn. He, wouldn't, he didn't live to see the bigger barn filled up. You can spend all your life making money and putting it in the bank, but if you don't help missionaries, you don't support your church, your kids are just going to fight over it. I vow not to leave my kids anything. They're not going to have to worry about fighting over nothing. Use it for God Amen. and what God has for you to use it with. Amen. Uh, their testimony, uh, they delighted in what God had done with the people there. Your pastor, I'm sure, is proud of you guys. I know that he is. But it's not just your pastor. We have to think about in our lives how we can please God. You got a man of God that's going to preach the word soundly, biblically, not wavering. I've got one at home, Brother Rusty Crutchfield. I don't know if he's preached over here or not. That he preaches straight. No curves in the road. And that's the way we ought to be getting it. Straight. Straight. The apostle is careful not to assume too much to himself, but to ascribe all the praise to God. We are but instruments for God's use. That's all we are. We're just an instrument for God to use in our life, whether you're playing the piano, whether you're teaching a Sunday school, uh, whether you're a security, whatever you might be, you're just an instrument that God is using for his glory. If you allow yourself, you know, God's not looking for the qualified. He's looking for those who will be available. He qualifies those that are available. You guys remember that. You may not think, well, I, I can't do that. God will qualify you to do it. If God calls you to do something, he'll qualify you to do it. He'll take care of that need that's in your life. I'm glad your clock's right, too. Last time I preached for Adam Steves up making, his clock was an hour off, and I preached a long time. In chapter 4, I'm going to move on here. Well, 17 and 18 it talks about liberty. I, I do want to hit that just a little bit. In verse 17 there, it talks about, uh, Now the Lord is that spirit, 
where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I've preached in places that I didn't have liberty. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, the, the Holy Spirit of God can be quenched, uh, and I don't feel that today. But you can, I can tell you, you can go places and you'll feel that spirit quenched. I've seen a few hands raised while ago. I heard some amens. Sometimes you go to church, and a lot of times I don't sit in the front because of my wife. She's a true Baptist. She likes to sit on the back row. <laughs> and we were visiting a little church with a, a, a gospel band that I, I knew was coming there. We went there to see them, and us and another couple from Bible Baptist, the Twitchells, we went to see them. We were sitting on the back row, and they got up, and they started singing. Brother Chester and I go, amen, amen. And everybody went. They ain't from around here. Well, I don't do it for man's glory. I do it for the glory of God. Sometimes I weep. They call me the weeping hillbilly. And sometimes I weep because, and I've talked to Brother Carl. Sometimes he'll... Uh, he runs in place now, he said, because he can't run laps. And he just runs in place, he says. But sometimes it just gets so full with God's presence in your life. You know, you know if you're saved, he's within you today. Amen. He's there. Yes. He's there. One of the things that these verses talk about is the Old Testament, uh, living by their rituals and all that stuff, we have it so much better. We have God within us. He's there all the time. Think about that. He's with you everywhere you go. The Bible says in the book of Psalms that he knows your thoughts afar off. He even knows what you're going to think down the road. He knows what you're thinking right now. He knows what's really on your mind and in your heart. When I first read that, I thought that scared me to death. Because <laughs> if you think about it, many times you'll sit in church and the world it's just rambling through your mind, just going and going and going and going. And you, you, if you're a woman, you're sitting there, the roast is going to burn. You know, i got to get home. The kids are coming over. i gotta, I got to do this. i got to do that. A lot of times men are sitting there thinking, fish biting. Boy, it's a beautiful day. I'm sure the fish are biting. I'm, I'm just sure of it. I heard one jump. I mean, there's stuff that runs through your mind, you know, all the time. It just... And it clouded you up. It clouds you up. Well, they, in, in the Old Testament times, they seen God in what? A cloud. Cloudy. They followed a cloud. That, that, that's how they seen him. We get to see him clearly. Amen. If you're saved, you see God clearly within yourself, the same way he sees you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through, well, I think 5 or 6. I don't know if we'll get that far. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we faint not. Don't quit. We have too many people quitting, closing up, churches closing up, preachers quitting, missionaries quitting. We don't have many young men surrendering to do what God wants them uh, to do. Hope Well, it, it's something God has to call them for, but we don't have very many people surrendering to go in the mission field. We don't have very many people surrendering to be pastors. Don't quit. Amen. There's those that are out there that are weary. Pray for them. Lift them up. I know y'all uh, help a lot of missionaries here. Pray for them that they won't quit, that they'll stay vibrant, that they'll stay alive on their field so that God can use them. You know, nobody wants to go uh, plant a church in a, in a foreign country and get up every morning and look at, at or every, every service and see six people and think, God, 
What am I doing? They have to have help. Not just financially, but spiritually. But don't quit. Don't quit. Don't give up. Uh, they are constant to persevere in their work. Faint not, it says there in verse 1. Under the difficulty of work, many people will crack. They'll, they'll quit. My brother's a pastor, and I remember in the early times, early days, not the early days, but the early days of where he's at now, uh, in the early days, the freight train couldn't stop him. But you can get discouraged. And I, I've, I've talked to him before, and he said, I quit six times on the way home, and they only live about a mile from the church. <laughs> you quit, and Renee won't say nothing. I guess she just sits there. And then pretty soon he'll say, well, I'm just going to quit. Then he'll say, I'm just going to quit. You can't quit. He wouldn't know what to do with himself. God's got him where he wants him. He's there. But he would never quit, but he'll get weary. Your pastor will get weary. He needs help. He needs prayed for. You will get weary. If you minister for God at all, you'll get weary. Where I preach, 99% of the time is behind a microphone in a little room by myself. That's where I preach. I preach on the radio. I love the morning shows because that's when I read, do my Bible reading. That's when I'm the freshest because I get up like 3 o'clock in the morning because for 30 years I got up at 3 o'clock every day in my life and I still can't quit it. I get up early and I read. Those are my favorite times. I've spent time with God in his word. I've spent time with God in prayer, in study. Whenever your time is, that's when you're the strongest too. But don't get weary the rest of the day. I told Brother Carl, I said, I'm going to stay away from anybody that even looks like a wet blanket for at least two months. Lord, just help me to stay away from somebody that's going to throw a blanket on me. Because there's nothing like being lifted up in the spirit and staying there for a while. And realizing there's no need to go back the other direction. There's no reason to go back. Who drags you down? Satan. Satan don't want you worshiping God. He don't want you to raise your hand in praise. He don't want you to say amen or hallelujah. Hallelujah is one of those words that hardly ever gets heard. Now, Brother Carl's got one man, Brother John, sits in the back. Well... For me, it would be on the left side, it'd be the right side of the pulpit. But he sits kind of in the back, watches the youth back there, and uh, keeps his eye on them. But he says hallelujah all the time. You hardly ever see him say amen, but he said hallelujah. Hell well, he's got that southern draw. I can't do it. But hallelujah, he'll say back there. And uh, it's good. I like being with people that are not worried about what somebody else is going to think. If God gets it and he, he gets you all welled up inside, I hear them old preachers talking about their mamas and their hankies. I, I forgot what i done with mine already, see? Coat pocket. Who told me that? There you go. Thank you. So them ladies, they get up there and they'll shake them hankies. They'll just shake them hankies. Just as good as shouting amen. Just as good as shouting hallelujah. Hiding the gospel is what we're looking at today. I know I really haven't got there yet. Oh, this is all introduction. I haven't even used my notes. I don't even know why I make them, to be honest with you. <laughs> Do not quit. Never 
quit on God. Romans chapter 1 says, verse 5 and 6 says, By whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. If you're saved today, you're called. Well, nobody called me to preach. Nobody called me to do this or do that. You're called. It just said so. You're called. You're called to do something for the Lord. Prayer warriors are the most forgotten people in a church. But they're the most, they, they get the most work done. Prayer warriors. You got to have prayer warriors in a church. My mom uh, physically couldn't get out and do a bunch of stuff physically. Visiting. Now, my dad was a visitor. I used to go with him when I was young. I used to go with Brother Haggett when I was at the church. And, and, but she would call you. If you were in her Sunday school class or in the church, period, she'd call you the day after church. Not to say, where was you at? How come you wasn't in your seat? Or is everybody sitting where they normally do? Yeah. See, pastor knows. I, I get up at our church, and I can tell you exactly who's gone. Brother Hackett can, too. I guarantee you, he'll get up here and go, oh, so-and-so's, that seat's empty. That's where so-and-so sits. If you, if you change around a little bit, it throws him all off. <laughs> but she would call and say, boy, we sure missed you. If there's anything we can do, let us know. If you need any help. That taught me a lot growing up. I've seen the love that my mom had for other people. That some people don't have. They just don't have that. But that was hers. It wasn't mine. It was hers. What's, it, what's, what's God wanting you to do? Are you hiding your gospel? Are you keeping it to yourself? When you walk out of here, do you flip a switch and turn that light off? Or do you keep it lit? I learned, uh, I learned this from a pastor friend, evangelist of mine. Brother Jerry Chandler, from, uh, I think he's pastoring in Kansas now. Lord help him. Uh, I'm a Missourian, folks. I'm sorry. Uh, he told me one time, well, he, it's, this has just been a few months ago. They invited me to come down for a, their central missions conference, and they had it at Heartland Baptist Church. A good friend of mine, Kevin Amberg, he was down there. He told me, he said, take a track. He told everybody this. He said, just take a track. Mine says, how to get to heaven from Missouri. I take them with me everywhere I go, Tennessee, Iowa, wherever my job will take me, I take this track. And he said, walk up to the, when you get to the teller, how you doing, you know, the, 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 the normal stuff. And he said, when, you, when, you're, when you're getting ready to, to, to leave, say, wait, are you from around here? Yeah, yeah. Can you tell me how to get to heaven from here? And when they look at you like that calf staring at a new gate, <laughs> well, maybe, maybe you don't know, but maybe this will help you. Give them a try. I did Orson's the other day, and the girl looked at me like a calf staring at a new gate. <laughs> and then she, she went to lay it down on the, the counter up there by the restaurant. I said, oh, no, no. I said, put that in your pocket. Put that in your pocket and read it later. It'll give you instructions on how to get to heaven. Just as simple as that. It didn't take nothing to do that. You don't even have to be as bold as I was as far as saying, you know, don't put that up there. I'm, I'm kind of outspoken sometimes. <laughs> Get it in their hands. Get the gospel out. Yes. Don't hide it. When you're, when you're out of the church, don't hide it. 
Also, don't want to trample the name. Don't want to trample the name of the Lord. Amen. Remember, he's with you all the time. Um, they receive strength to persevere in the work of that office as great mercy and grace to be called to be saints and especially to be counted faithful and to be put into the ministry. How many here wants to hear God say, come in, thou good and faithful servant? I do. I long for that. I long for me to be at the gate of heaven and he'll say, come on in, hillbilly, thou good and faithful servant. Come on in. We got your little spot over there. It looks like a radio station. You can get on there and preach every day. Won't be nobody listening to you like now, but you get on, not now, but I mean when I'm on radio. <laughs> I hope somebody's listening anyway. Verse 2 there says, But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the, in the sight of God. If you can think in your own mind what God thinks of you, you'll do things differently. Old evangelist friend of mine, and he's, he's, he's been gone a long time now, and he used to run with Brother J.D. Glass all the time, preaching all across the country. Been in other countries preaching. And uh, Brother Earl Hughes is his name. You can look him up if you got a computer, and uh, you'll see him singing one of the famous songs that he always used to sing, that he used to just bring, bring something to it whenever he sang it. Brother J.D. Glass sang it for years afterwards. But he would say, I asked God one time to just show me how I really am. He said, I'll never do that again. Ask God to show you how you really are. You already know. You already know. You're your own witness. You're your own witness. Your family is your witness. Spreading the gospel, not hiding the light. I've got to hurry. If we, if we, if we slip on down there, uh, let me read first. Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. That's where that song I came from, came from. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which is within me. The lost souls is talking about there in, in verse 3 of this scripture here. It's, it's talking about, but if the gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. And then it talks about how how they're hidden because of the darkness of the world, which is how I started all this. They're hidden because of the darkness of the world, the darkness that's in their heart. But it might be because somebody that's got that light in their heart is not shining it. Now, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're still living in the darkness of that sin. You're still living in a time where uh, uh, that darkness has got you, no matter what the preacher is going to say to you, you're back there already saying, I'm not going to get saved. I'm not going to get saved. I'm not going to get saved. And when we stand up here in a few moments, you might even do the white knuckle clench on the back of the pew. Uh, well, whatever it is that keeps you from taking that first step out. But I can tell you this. There's no heavier burden on you right now than the sin that's in your life. And Christian, let me say this. It's no heavier burden on you. I ran from God. I know what it is to run from God. I was saved, but I run from God. I was afraid of what he might want me to do. I was more miserable then. 
I think, than I was when I was lost. And I was lost, I didn't know any different. But when you get saved, you understand God. You understand the difference. Maybe you're here today and you, you're, God's calling you to the mission field. Maybe he's calling you to preach. Maybe he's calling you to do something in the church that you need to talk to your pastor about. Maybe it's time that you get that all settled. That you talk to him. Hide in the gospel. Satan hides it from every one of us the best that he can. Before you get saved, he's still hiding you in the darkness of this world, which is his world. Where are you at today? I was thinking about these verses, and the God of this world hath blinded their minds in verse 4. It talks about how he blinds the mind. His influence will keep you from getting saved. His influence right now in your life will keep you, young man or young lady, or older person. My grandma got saved at a late year. I know a lot of people. I, Brother Haggett had the opportunity to, to, to witness to his, his uncle. He was 80, 89 years old. You know when it's too late to get saved? It was when you're already dead. There ain't no preacher going to pray you out of hell. And there ain't no amount of money that's going to bring you out of hell. That'll go over good with some folks listening. You can't get there any other way but through Jesus Christ, the precious blood of our Savior. Romans 10, chapter 13 is one of my favorite verses. It says this. Anybody know it? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In August of 1969, I was a whosoever. I was a, I'm a child of God through tragedy. My brother Larry was laying in a hospital room. A car had hit him. He was on a motorcycle. I, uh, I'm already past due here, so I want to wrap things up. But a little country preacher, a five-foot-two, sawed-off, little short, flat top, 130 pounds, he come visited us in the hospital. Reverend Paul, if I'll never forget, he married my wife and I. He says when he does something, he does it to stake. We've been married 41 years. And he come to the hospital. Now, my brother Gary, he, he got saved the first night at the only two pillars that are left in front of the emergency room at the University Hospital. He was saved in front of one of those. He said, they, they won't tear that down. He said, till I die. They've done everything else around it, but that pillar is still there. My mom and dad got saved the second day, and he come up and led me to the Lord in the waiting room at the ICU unit at the University Hospital. He didn't even know me. Didn't even know who I was. Well, he knew I was a Humphrey. He knew that where we lived, because we weren't that far from the church. He knew who we was through other people of the church. We didn't go to church. Didn't, didn't go. But God used him to witness to me. Who's he going to use you for? I was asked this by... And I like asking preachers this question. When was the last time somebody asked you if you were saved? When was the last time somebody asked you, are you saved? Maybe hands you a gospel tract. I used to think I was big bad guys, and, and I was out on the route one day, and these motorcycle guys pulled up. Tough, tattoos, burly. I thought, yeah, I'm going to give these guys a tract. Got my truck, got a track out, kind of meandered over there. This fellow turned around and he said, hello there. I said, hey, how you doing? 
I said, where are y'all headed? He said, well, I don't remember where they were headed. He said, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. He said, I thought he was going to ask me directions. He said, are you saved? <laughs> I just put the track back in my pocket. <laughs> said, I was getting ready to ask you that. Well, praise the Lord, he said. And we talked for 30 minutes sitting there. I did it again at a hotel. I thought, well, this time these are really bikers. Nah. Same thing. I sat down with one of them. I said, he goes, here, sit down with us. You sit down here. So I bowed my head and prayed for my biscuit and gravy or whatever I was eating at the time. And, and uh, I looked up, and they were all just, well, we're glad to see you, uh, somebody pray over the meal. Something simple. You do it at home. Why not do it at the restaurant? Are you hiding the gospel this morning? I, I've got to quit. Where are you today? Do you know him as Savior, or are you still in the darkness by the ruler of darkness? No better time than today to get saved. Today is the day of salvation, the book of Romans says. Today. Not tomorrow. You know why? You're not guaranteed tomorrow. You're not guaranteed to leave here. Brother Kenny McFadden lost his wife on his way back from a meeting. They got rear-ended by a car, and it killed her. She immediately was in the presence of her Savior. Where would you be? If you drawed your last breath right now, where would you spend eternity? You can't look at it any other way. You know why? You're not guaranteed another breath. You're not guaranteed another moment in this life. It's now. Now. Now's the time. Christian, have you given up? Are you having trouble persevering? 2 Corinthians 4.3, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. But if it's being hid, who's hiding it? Satan hides it, but are you hiding it? Are you sharing the gospel with people that you see? If you're here and you're saved today, I believe other than being in church, the most important thing for you to do is to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. Whether it's through a gospel track, vocally, whatever the Lord will allow you to do. If you all stand with us, Hunter, if you want to come up, we'll lead in an invitation.